Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pets Weekly Podcast. My name is Lindy and I am your host every week as we dive into all things pets. If you're considering adopting a new dog or cat, this episode is for you. We are going to talk about adopting a dog or a cat and what to look for in not only a pet but also in a shelter or rescue organization. First things first, let's talk about where you would like to get your new family member from. There are a lot more options out there than I think most people realize when it comes to adopting a dog or a cat. One option is the local county animal shelter, which has a physical location that you can visit where they house dogs, cats, and other small animals. At your local shelter, you may see cages and kennels that are empty but have paperwork on them and a label that says foster. If you are interested in seeing this animal, just ask a staff member or volunteer and they will arrange a meeting with the foster parent and the animal that you are interested in. It just means that the animal is in foster care and not currently residing in the shelter. Most county shelters offer a foster program to the community where volunteers take an animal or a litter of puppies or kittens out of a shelter environment and into their home. Some shelters are able to pay for the animal's food and litter, etc. And some are not since all shelters and rescues survive on donations only. However, all shelter foster programs cover all medical expenses as long as you go to the vet that the shelter uses. Be sure to read through all of the paperwork you find on the animal and ask the staff if there is more paperwork that you haven't read. You want the full story, including all behavioral notes and medical notes. By doing research and asking questions, you will learn a lot more about your potential new dog or cat. Background on the animal will help you to understand where your pet is coming from and it can give you some indication of what to expect while your pet is acclimating to his or her new environment. There are a variety of situations that may bring an animal to a shelter. Here are a few of the most common situations, but not all of them. County animal shelters typically have owner surrenders where a pet parent dumps the animal at the shelter. You can also find strays, which are found in the community, and they're typically held for 72 hours to see if the owner will come. If an owner does not come, the animal will then be placed up for adoption. There are also confiscation cases, and this is where an animal control officer is called to a property where an animal is being neglected, abused, or was abandoned. The animal is confiscated by the county and taken to the shelter if there is clear evidence that any of the above have occurred. The next type of rescue is a rescue that is run by one person or a group of individuals that is not associated with the county. Although in most cases, local rescues are what they call partners with the county shelter, where they typically pull animals from. County shelters are kill shelters, and depending on where you live, they can be high kill shelters like in the south where I live. 
So these rescues pull animals from the euthanasia list, or they pull animals that are special needs, require surgery, or need just some extra care in some way, whether it is physical or psychological. Then there are rescues that only pull highly adoptable pets that require zero extra attention. It is cheaper for the rescue and they can adopt out animals faster in most cases. It all depends on what the rescue can handle, how much money they have, and how many volunteers and staff that they can rely on to care for the animals in their care. Also, there are breed-specific rescues or species-specific rescues. If you are looking for a certain breed, then you are in luck because there are a never-ending list of dogs and cats waiting for their forever homes at these breed-specific rescues. Some people think that purebreds don't end up in shelters, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Any species, breed, age, or temperament can and will end up in a shelter. If you don't have a breed-specific rescue near you, and you don't want to drive a far distance to one in your state or out of state, you can contact all of your local shelters and ask to be placed on a list. Tell them exactly what kind of pet you are looking for, and they will contact you when they have an animal that comes in that you are interested in. However, try to be open-minded when searching for a new fuzzy friend. Breed and look aren't everything. It really needs to be about energy level and temperament. You want to make sure that a certain breed or species fits in with your lifestyle. And within every breed, you will have completely different energy levels and personalities. It's important to make sure that you are a good fit for the animal and any reputable shelter will ensure that you are a good match and that you will be able to provide the animal with the life he or she deserves. Whichever shelter or rescue you choose, you can't go wrong with your local animal rescue or county shelter. It is important to note that when a county animal shelter takes an animal in, there is always the possibility that the animal will be euthanized for space or even for the most basic behavioral or medical issues. Dogs and cats are euthanized every minute of every day in the U.S. to no fault of their own. If you have a county shelter nearby, that is a good place to start. These places are loud, stressful, and cramped, and animals can deteriorate rapidly in these environments. Any nonprofit shelter or rescue adoption allows you to save more than one animal. You are making room for another animal that may have been put to sleep for space or for the next animal that comes in through intake. The floodgates are always open and they never stop, so your adoption has a massive ripple effect that will help other animals that you don't even know about. It is pretty cool to think about it and it's amazing how much of an impact that one adoption can have. If you have never volunteered or worked at an animal shelter or rescue, you really should. No matter who you are or where you've come from, I believe everyone needs to see what the reality is and what these animals have to go through on a daily basis. Not only that, but the toll that it takes on the shelter staff and the volunteers.
you will never buy from a breeder ever again, and you will never look at an animal the same way again. It is an eye-opening experience, to say the least, and it can be life-changing for a true animal lover and advocate. At a young age, my mom took me to volunteer at a shelter, and I still remember that experience so many years later. I remember how happy those dogs were to be going for a walk. Most dogs in shelters are lucky to get a real walk once a week. They sit in those kennels either bouncing off the walls or becoming depressed. This is one of the many reasons why volunteering, fostering, and adopting are so critical to the well-being of homeless pets. Caring for those who can't care for themselves is a beautiful experience that every child and adult should experience. Animals are truly the most innocent of beings, and being an advocate for them is priceless. It is hard work, but it is deeply rewarding. Speaking of volunteering and fostering, have you ever considered trying this first before committing to a new pet? You can learn a lot about yourself and animals in general by volunteering and fostering. Adopting a new pet is a lifelong commitment, so you want to make sure that you choose the right species and energy level for your lifestyle and family. Fostering can be especially helpful if you have other pets in the home already and you are considering adding another member to the family. It can take time for an established pet and a new pet to form a trusting relationship. Think about bringing a roommate into your house. You want to get to know each other first and feel each other out before committing to a long-term arrangement. Fostering can help gauge how your current pet will do with a new pet in your home. Before you commit to adopting from a shelter or becoming a foster parent, it is important to research the shelter, look at their social media, read reviews, and talk to people in the community. You want to make sure that the shelter is a legitimate 501c3 nonprofit and that they are following basic safety and sanitary guidelines. You want to make sure that all of the animals in their care are receiving some form of veterinary care when they arrive at the shelter and throughout their time in the facility and in foster homes. While you are learning about the shelter and its procedures, you will learn about the typical adoption process. So what should you look for in a shelter when you are considering adopting? You want to be put through the paces. You want questions, home visits, background checks, etc. It shows that the organization is invested in the animal and that they take the pet's future seriously. You want a contract that tells you to bring the pet back if you change your mind. You want a shelter that will provide you with copies of all the pet's history and care. This way you always have this information and you can make copies for your own personal vet. Ethical shelters are only adopting out vaccinated and spayed or neutered pets. That is the bare minimum and that is something everyone needs to expect from a shelter. You are paying an adoption fee and that fee covers the vet care and supplies that were used to care for the animal, so you need to be adopting a pet that has been fully vetted and received quality care from the organization. 
Adopting out animals that are not spayed and neutered defeats the purpose and the mission of a rescue or shelter. You want to work with shelters and rescues that contribute to a solution for the homeless pet crisis and not contribute to the problem. Most rescues and shelters require your new pet to be seen by your own vet within 30 days or less of the adoption date. It is typically written in the adoption contract. Make sure you have a vet lined up that you researched ahead of time. This will just be one more thing that you don't have to worry about so you can focus all of your attention on your new fur baby. Expect an in-person follow-up, phone call, or video chat from the organization to check on the pet while he or she is settling into your home. When it comes to choosing a pet, it is best to base this decision off of your lifestyle and what you can offer the animal. Do you have time to dedicate attention to a dog, a cat, or a small animal? Even if you think you know everything there is to know about a particular species, there is always something new to learn. I'm constantly learning, and I've been working with animals my whole life. When it comes to animals, we will never stop learning. Before the meet and greet, it is best to speak with the shelter and the foster parent if the pet is in foster. You want to get as much information as you can so that you don't waste your time or the shelter's time. You don't want to get your hopes up over an animal you fell in love with on social media, and then it turns out he or she can't be around kids and you have kids, for example. Also, when you speak with someone on the phone first, you are not distracted by the dog or kitty's oozing cuteness and focusing on finding that connection. On the phone, or meeting in person first with a staff member or volunteer, you can focus on the logistics of what you need to know before you meet. While you are talking to the shelter and or rescue about pets you're interested in, it is a really good idea to take notes. Dedicate a page to each animal and write down questions ahead of time. These notes can be helpful to discuss later with your family or to compare animals you are interested in. This can help you look at the decision by using your head instead of only your heart. Although your heart, that connection, and gut instinct are very important when picking the right pet for you. When you find a pet that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, what kind of questions should you ask the shelter staff and volunteers? Let's start with the basics. What is the pet's age? Are you looking for the energy level of a young puppy or kitten? A middle-aged pet? A senior? What is the breed or suspected breeds of this animal that you're looking at? The animal's breed is not everything, but it can have a role in the pet's overall energy level and needs. Certain breeds will require a spacious backyard, lots of walks, lots of mental stimulation, and playtime. It is important to do your research on the breed and what that breed was bred to do initially. Just because you like how an animal looks doesn't mean that you have the experience, time, energy, or environment to make the animal happy, healthy, and balanced for the rest of his or her life. There are also a variety of health conditions that can plague specific breeds of animal, so it's important to do your research to know 
what you could potentially expect in the future. Next, you want to get a full understanding of the pet's medical care in the past, if known, and after coming into the shelter. Here is a list of questions that will cover some of the basics. There's always more to ask, but this is a good place to start. Is the pet spayed or neutered? Are they up to date on their vaccines? When was the last time the animal received flea and tick and heartworm prevention? Did he or she need to be dewormed after arriving to the shelter? When was the last time a veterinarian saw the pet? Has there been any blood work done, such as a basic CBC or a heartworm test? Has a fecal test been performed? Is he or she having normal stools and urinating okay? Are they eating regularly and drinking water well? Has the animal received a bath and a nail trim? Also, it's good to ask what the animal has been eating and how often they are eating. You want to make sure you stick to their current diet, and if you want to switch to a different food, slowly transition the pet's food so you don't upset their stomach. A good rule for transitioning food is on day one, you'll have 25% of the new diet and 75% of the old diet. Day three, 50% of the new diet and 50% of the old diet. On day five, 75% of the new diet and 25% of the old diet. And on day seven, you'll have 100% of the new diet. Be sure to ask your vet about this before doing it. Some animals may have sensitive stomachs or other issues that may require a longer transition period. If you are adopting a dog that has been at the shelter for a while, it doesn't hurt to ask if the shelter can bathe or groom the dog before they come home with you. Why ask this? Why not just do it yourself when you get home? Well, because shelters are gross, let's just be real. No matter how clean the place is, it just comes with housing a lot of animals in one place. It is best to ensure that you are bringing home a clean dog, and even more so if you have other pets. So why not just do it yourself when you get home? A lot of dogs may be very uncomfortable being in a new home with a stranger that wants to give them a bath. Everything is new and your dog will be overwhelmed, and this is completely normal. I certainly would be overwhelmed in a new home. I have heard time and time again stories about new dog owners bringing their dogs home, and of course, they want to give them a bath. But turns out the dog is very nervous, very uncomfortable, and this can be a really bad start to a new relationship. The dog will try to fight its way out of the bathtub. It may shut down, start shaking and cowering. Some dogs will scratch their owners trying to get away from them. It can be very stressful for the animal and for the person. So if at all possible, ask the shelter if they would be willing to do it for you. If not, you might want to grab some dry shampoo and then start working on your dog getting into the bathtub or shower with some treats and a leash on because it might take some time for them to warm up and feel comfortable enough for you to give them a bath.
They need to build trust with you before they are going to be comfortable being bathed by you. Being bathed is a vulnerable position for an animal to be in. Typically, they are confined in a bathtub or a shower, and either way, they have this thing that is shooting water out at them and it is touching them. A person that they don't know is rubbing soap all over their body, picking up their paws, having to dry them off or blow dry them. It is not something the majority of dogs will be comfortable with when they are coming into a new home. In most cases, the dog has been in the shelter for a couple of weeks or months and they are familiar with the volunteers and staff that they have developed some form of trust and a relationship with. Because the staff and the volunteers feed them and care for them every day, they are used to them being in their personal space, so it's best to maybe ask somebody that the dog is most comfortable with to do any bathing or grooming. Now whether you have a cat or a dog that you are adopting, I would ask the shelter to dremel or cut their toenails. Again, it is the same concept as bathing and grooming. You are new to this animal and they have not formed a bond with you yet, so they may be too fearful or anxious for you to trim their nails or give them a bath. Some other important questions to ask the shelter are, where was the animal found? Was he or she removed from the home or picked up by animal control? Was the animal surrendered by his or her owner? If so, did they give a reason why they surrendered the animal? Now, I want you to take what the previous owner says with a grain of salt. This is a person that dumped their animal at a shelter. So what they say may not be the truth as to why the animal's there. Typically people that surrender the animal tend to blame the animal when in fact it's actually the person that is the problem. A lot of people are so ashamed that they're dumping an animal at a shelter that they don't even bring the animal into the building. They'll put the animal in a box or a crate and dump it at the front door or tie a dog to a fence or toss them over a fence that's connected to the building or nearby. So you gotta really be careful with believing everything that the previous owner said because they tend to fabricate and kind of half-truth the real story about why they surrendered the animal. Nine times out of ten, it has absolutely nothing to do with the animal. If an animal is brought in and this previous owner saying, they're having accidents in the house and I'm sick of it, I don't want to deal with it anymore, and turns out that they weren't even really paying attention to the animal, they never even tried potty training them, they were lazy, they didn't walk them. Like, there's so many reasons why an animal could have accidents in the house. Somebody could surrender an animal and say, this, you know, this dog's wild, I don't have, I just can't deal with how much energy they have. And then it turns out that it's a very high energy breed and they're not giving the dog any exercise, no mental stimulation, they don't even have a backyard for this dog, they're in like a 700 square foot apartment, and this dog's just bored out of its mind, and to no fault of the dog it ends up in a shelter. So there's so many reasons why a dog or a cat could end up in a shelter. 
I've heard ridiculous stories about cats being dumped at shelters because they're peeing outside of the litter box. And whenever the shelter staff and the volunteers start asking questions about what the litter was that was being used or where the litter box was or the size of the litter box, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. The litter box was way too small or the litter that was being used, the cat just absolutely hated and didn't want to use it. And instead of the person troubleshooting and trying to figure out a way to make the animal comfortable, they just decided they don't want to deal with it. And like a broken TV that they bought at Walmart, they just decided to take the animal to the shelter. So I want you to have a very open mind whenever you're reading through some of these animal stories in the shelter because you really never know what the real story is. If you can learn about the animal's environment that they were living in, this will help you understand where the animal is coming from emotionally and psychologically, and this can give you some insight into potential challenges that he or she may face when going into a new home. History is not everything, though. There are dogs and cats that have never even been in a house that catch on to potty training and using the litter box very quickly because animals naturally do not like to pee or poop where they eat and sleep. I have met dogs and cats that have experienced horrific abuse and neglect and they trust and love everyone they meet, so you can't judge a book by the cover story. Also, ask what condition the animal was in physically and mentally when he or she entered the shelter. How is the animal different currently than he or she was when they were initially brought in? Has there been a decline in the pet's well-being, or is he or she becoming more comfortable? Usually around this time is when a meet and greet will take place. Some rescues require a home visit, which is the best thing to do to ensure the pet will be safe, healthy, and happy in his or her new home. If the shelter does not require home visits, you will come to the shelter for the meet and greet. If you have a pet in your home already, some rescues have you bring your current pet with you for the first visit while others have you meet the potential pet first and then introduce the animals during the second meeting. Some rescues will allow you to take the dog or cat home the same day and others will drive the new pet to your house to make sure the animal is comfortable before officially handing over the pet to your care. When you have a pet in your home and you are looking for a new pet to add to your household, Ensure that the staff and volunteers have tested your potential new pet with the species, size, age, and personality of your current pet. The more animals of that species that he or she is tested with, the better. You want to make sure that you are introducing a pet to your home that is adaptable and social with the species that you already have. The same can be said for children. Introducing children of any age to an animal is a big deal, and it is something that needs to be taken very, very seriously. I'll be making an episode about this in the future because there is a lot to dive into when it comes to introducing animals of any species to a child of any age. For the purposes of this episode, 
The idea is that whatever animal or person you have at home, it is your responsibility and the shelter's responsibility to ensure that everyone will be safe and comfortable with a new animal joining the household. If you do have a pet already, your current animal is going to pick your next animal, not you. This may sound harsh, but it is the truth. Your opinion really doesn't matter. Animals choose each other. Humans don't make that choice. Their personalities, energy levels, ages, and temperaments need to mesh well. They have to match. They need to fit together like a puzzle. And just like a puzzle, just because you want a piece to fit somewhere doesn't mean it is going to. It has to be the right one. It is important to keep in mind that your dog or cat may not connect with the new potential pet right away. When you have a cat and you are introducing a new cat, this needs to be a slow process and it can take quite a while for the cats to begin to connect and form a friendship. This is not always the case. Some extra social kitties may click right away, especially when they are younger. If you have a dog already and you are bringing a cat home, or you have a cat already and you are bringing a dog home, it can take time and positive reinforcement for the dog and cat to begin to trust each other. You will have to slowly introduce them and integrate them into living together harmoniously. Depending on the age of the dog and cat and their personalities, they may warm up to each other quickly and initiate play or lay near each other. There is no set duration and a shelter or rescue cannot make any promises or give you any real expectation of when they will begin to have a connection. Every pet is unique and so are their relationships. If you have a dog already and you are getting another dog, every shelter will require you to introduce the dogs in their presence either at the shelter or in neutral territory. You never want to just walk a dog into another dog's home or introduce them in the front yard. To limit territorial behavior and to keep everyone safe, you want the environment to be neutral and you want the dogs on four or six foot standard leashes. It is best to have two or three people with the dogs during an initial meet and greet. You want them to walk together first and never meet head on. You need to make sure there is someone present that is well versed in dog behavior and knows the shelter dog very, very well so that the interaction is positive. Sometimes dog friendly dogs just don't like another particular dog and that is okay. That is why you need someone experienced in dog behavior to assist with the meet and greet. You also need plenty of hands in case a fight arises. People do not always like other people, and the same goes for animals. It is better to be safe than sorry and always proceed with caution when introducing dogs to each other. You will have even more success if both dogs have had sufficient exercise before meeting and are already well socialized. Keep toys, rawhides, and food out of the meet and greet. Any dog can become possessive of high value items at any time. Keep it simple, supervised, 
controlled, positive, relaxed, and safe. This will set the dogs up for success. Meet and greets should last for at least 30 minutes to an hour. These two dogs are complete strangers and the humans need to observe how they act with each other and with the people around them. The more time that is taken for observation, the better. If at the end of this time, either of the dogs is fearful of the other dog, overwhelmed by the other's energy, hiding behind the pet parent or shelter staff, or showing signs of stress of any kind, it is not a good fit, and the meet and greet should come to an end. During most dog meet and greets, there are typically a few dogs lined up to meet each other, so if one doesn't work out, there is another dog to follow. The dogs do not need to become best friends right away, but they do need to interact in a positive manner. They need to sniff each other and acknowledge one another. Maybe one will follow the other, and maybe they initiate play. It can be something as simple as sniffing the same area of ground together and sharing that space, saying, okay, you can sniff this pile of leaves with me, and then I'll follow you over here and we can sniff the fence together. However, complete avoidance is not a good sign. This is actually a sign of stress that many people miss. If one or both dogs will not interact, won't make eye contact, won't sniff, won't walk around together, that is not a good fit. They are choosing to avoid the other for a reason and that needs to be respected. Putting two dogs together in a home when they are only avoiding is a fight waiting to happen. If dogs do not want to be together, don't put them together. The dogs need to choose each other. The pet parent doesn't have much say in the matter. If you already have another animal, that animal will choose your next pet. That is just the way it works. When you force animals together, that is a recipe for disaster and an unhappy and unhealthy environment. Having said all of this, I want to tell you a story, something that I unfortunately experienced while working in a shelter. The reason I am telling you this story is because I think it can be educational and helpful to anyone thinking about bringing an animal into their home when they have an existing pet. I worked at a shelter in Pennsylvania for several months, many, many years ago. It was back when I became a certified dog trainer. The shelter was not in a good area, low income, and high crime. They had a high euthanasia rate, lots and lots of animals coming in on a daily basis, and the shelter was constantly full. A woman came in with a high-energy shepherd mix. Very sweet dog, social, loving, and dog-friendly. She sought attention from all the staff members as well. I was still new at the time, so I had a senior staff member in the meet and greet room with me. I was there to observe only. A volunteer brought in the dog she was interested in seeing, and immediately I knew it was a bad match. However, the senior staff member let the shelter dog hide under a chair and hide behind people and furniture in the room, trying to get away from the playful shepherd. This went on for quite some time. The shepherd was young and had way too much energy for this particular potential dog. 
Since she was young and wasn't socialized that well by the pet parent, she didn't have a good understanding of boundaries with other dogs. She didn't listen well to stress cues or body language. I watched this dumpster fire for over 30 minutes and to my shock, the senior staff member told her that they would get used to each other and agreed to adopt the dog out. I am standing there in shock, feeling like I'm in the twilight zone. The woman and her dog left with our shelter dog and I turned to the senior staff member and told her, this is not a good fit, this is not a good idea. Our dog is very fearful and showed no signs of warming up to the other dog and had no positive interaction with the adopter. The senior staff member told me, at least she'll get out of here. That was all she said to me, and then walked away. We don't have enough time in the day for me to even begin to chisel away at that mountain of stupid to break down how dangerous this thinking is. Needless to say, I did not stay there much longer. The dog was returned, obviously, and this experience surely damaged the dog and traumatized the already fearful dog needlessly. The moral of the story is that there are a lot of shelters, not all, but sadly a lot, that are run by people that either lost sight of the real mission or never had it in sight to begin with. That is just the reality of it. There are people that work in industries that should require compassion, empathy, and knowledge, and they don't have any of those things and never should have been put in the position they are in to begin with. I think we have all met people like that, unfortunately. Some county shelters, like the one I worked at, are just trying to get animals out because they have way more than they can deal with, so they are typically way more lenient with their adoption process. Some even have free adoption months or weekends just to get animals out of the building. This is not what is best for the animal. It is counterintuitive to the point of rescue. It is the shelter's responsibility to care for these animals. When you are taking in too high of a quantity, the quality of care suffers. You are putting this innocent animal at a disadvantage by not ensuring their success in their new home. Giving away animals for free will turn around and bite a shelter. Animals are returned at a higher rate, and when you have people coming out specifically because the animals are free, can they really afford to care for an animal for the next 10 to 15 years? Probably not. The whole situation is problematic, to say the least. The shelter may not require a home visit, even though they should, and the shelter may not do background checks, even though they should. The shelter may not do a variety of things that they should do for the animal's safety, so before you go into a meet and greet, you have to do your research and build up your knowledge so that if nobody else is doing the right thing by the animal, you are. And that is what it all comes down to, doing right by the animal. So if you're thinking about getting an animal, you have to go through and ask yourself these questions because you can't expect a shelter that is overrun with animals under underpaid, understaffed to sit there with you and ask you all of the correct questions 
even though they should be doing that. So working ahead of time, figuring out exactly what you're looking for, what the best fit would be, is vital to making sure that you pick an animal that you're going to have for the rest of their life. Shelters and rescues all around the world are filled with beautiful and loving dogs and cats that need safe forever homes. When you rescue your next pet, you are changing that animal's life forever. I hope this episode gives you some insight and confidence when it comes to adopting a dog or a cat from a shelter or a rescue. Take your time, be patient, and do your research. As I speak to you, there are so many deserving babies just waiting for you to come and meet them. If you are a viewer who enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe on YouTube. And if you are a listener, please consider following the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts for new episodes every week where I bring you all things pets. You can find the YouTube video link for this episode in the description of this episode. Please follow the podcast on Instagram for episode announcements and general podcast updates. The podcast is brought to you by Sunshine's Pet Services, where I offer in-home pet services in Florida and virtual dog behavior consultations to every pet parent in the U.S. For more information about my services, please visit sunshinespetservices.com. Until we meet again, I challenge you to wake up in the morning and ask yourself how you can make your pet's life better every day. Thank you for joining me and I will see you soon.